1: How to build the permanent championship window in Dynasty. That's what we're talking about this week on Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretch. You can find me on Twitter at Yartsburg Gretch. Joined, as always, by Sean Siegel. You can find all of his work at Rotoviz. And we have an amazing guest, the, the true Dynasty goat, in my opinion, Ryan McDowell. We'll get to him in just a second. You can find all of, of Ryan's work at Dynasty League Football, uh, his Locked On Dynasty podcast, the DLF podcast, uh, but I just did want to uh, mention real briefly that it's if you thought I sounded a little bit like I was out of place talking dynasty with Sean the last couple uh, last couple episodes now I, now I get to talk to both of these guys who I've been a couple of leagues with and they build some ridiculous rosters. Ryan, how are you doing today?
0: Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. I've I've enjoyed uh, this this podcast. You two uh, getting together and uh, definitely enjoyed the past couple for sure talking Dynasty. So glad to jump on here with you.
2: Well, Ryan, you are the number one mind in Dynasty. You're the number one commissioner in Dynasty. We'll talk about some of the cool things you've done with leagues toward the end, give listeners some ideas, what they can do when they're doing startups, what they can do if they have a league that's grown stale to tweak it and make it more fun. Uh, It's not just about winning, right? It's about playing in the best leagues. And you have been kind of the guy for coming up with the best innovations in Dynasty. Well, let's start with the idea that you are known for among several, but this idea of building a Dynasty powerhouse and you term it the productive struggle. Ryan, how do you go through, what do you want to do in a Dynasty startup to eventually build a team that no one else can compete with?
0: Yeah, so productive struggle. Uh, I'm I'm also a, a teacher. I shouldn't say also. I, I am a teacher. Uh, that is that is my my full time job. And today is actually my my last day of, of freedom before the school year starts back. So I'm I'm glad to to wrap up the summer with you guys. But uh, I'm a teacher, and, and productive struggle is actually and comes from the education field, uh, relating to and basically referring to. Letting students kind of figure it out on their own. Um, Obviously, you're there to to teach them, to guide them, but sometimes they need to go through that process and and struggle on their own to get to uh, hopefully a level of of production and and gain that understanding through whatever they're learning. And and when I first heard that term um, several years ago, it I knew that that was the perfect term for what I did in Dynasty, the way I played Dynasty, which was Basically, being willing to to take your lumps—that's the struggle part. Uh, usually, my teams are not very good the first year of a of a dynasty league, and in fact, the goal is that they're uh, finished towards the bottom because that way I'm adding a, a top dynasty asset, hopefully in the form of that one point oh one rookie pick the next year. So as I go through the through a dynasty startup, I'm focused on uh, on acquiring. Young players on acquiring players who can gain value, uh, as those ascending assets. I'm I'm typically avoiding any players who can't gain value, uh, even you know even players like Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Those two come to mind uh, for for this current season, um, and hopefully also acquiring a future. Uh, rookie picks as well, and that that's become a lot harder to do, honestly. But that's that's kind of the uh, the skeleton of productive struggle.
1: Yeah, you mentioned it. It's become harder to do. Uh, I feel like in, in a lot of the leagues that I've tried to to do this or something similar, that I've run into some people that are kind of doing the same thing. I'm curious, what are some 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 strategies, some tips you have for how to execute it, and in, in particularly during the startup.
0: Yeah. I've seen the same thing and um, it's, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a good strategy for me. It's worked. We were talking about a league where I I kind of tried that, uh, that, that we all share and and it's worked well there, but it's also just a fun strategy. You know, so many times it's, it's fun to load up on these young players, to see them grow, to see their, uh, their names climb in the ADP ranks and things like that. Uh, But when you, when you're in that startup and, Uh, multiple people are trying the same thing, it it does get really tough because there's it, there's always one who's, who's willing to go all out, right. Who's willing to, to sell their first round pick for a future first and a, and a 10th rounder or something like that. And, and when that happens, you know, you just kind of have to pivot, I think, because you can still acquire future picks, but, um, I, I'm thinking about uh, a league that Sean and I are in together where one guy I think ended up with what, 10 future first, Sean, I think that's right. Uh, some, something crazy just dominated uh, the first round this past season. And um, so, yeah, you, you just have to like with any strategy, you have to be flexible and, and willing to pivot. And um, if they're moving down, they're still going to, there's always going to be a player that you like at your spot that, that can gain value, even, even if you're reaching a little bit.
2: Ryan, right, we had talked before the show about that league that you just mentioned, the three of us playing it. It's a six month dynasty league that Ben put together a really cool league. Uh, you mentioned that you finished 11th in the first year. And then, I mean, your team is fantastic. We, we think that you won in year two and then they just completed year four. I think that one of the things people get nervous about if they're going to punt the startup to an extent is that they'll be playing from behind a long time. One of the things that ben and I discussed on an earlier episode within this segment is that if you play for the future from the startup, you have enough to trade that you can build somewhat quickly. Whereas if you play to win at the beginning, and then you've got all of these declining assets, rebuilding can actually take a long time. How long do you expect to wait to be good when you do the productive struggle?
0: I mean, if you do it well, you're going to compete in year two and yeah, in that specific league, I think I was a little higher than than 11th in year one. The league that that we all share, uh, I, I was middle of the pack year one. Did not make the playoffs. Uh, kind of finished with with about a 500 record, so I didn't get that 101 that that is is the goal in some ways. Uh, but I did I did get that middle first round pick. That was a good year. I drafted Nick Chubb if I if I remember correctly, and I won the title in year two. I finished as the number one seed in the regular season in year two, and I won the title in year three. So uh, the short version of uh, uh, the, the answer to your question there is I expect to compete in year two if the plan goes well, if you focus on acquiring those players who not only can gain value, but can produce hopefully, you know, potentially right away. And certainly by year two.
1: It, I, I'm, I'm curious kind of relatedly, if, if you're not per- you know, competing in year two, or if things don't go well, do you ever want find find yourself in a position where you sort of don't have a path forward or like even in, in scenarios when this goes poorly, it seems to me like there's a lot of firepower still there and you're still acquiring high draft picks. You still have young players that you can, that you can move that, that still have value, even if they're not necessarily gaining value because they're not all hitting. So what happens if it like kind of doesn't always pan out perfectly how do you see those play out, or if have you had teams like that, or do they just always pan out like our six month team where you just dominate everyone? I wish they
0: did. I wish they did. <laughs> wish they did. If, if it was if it worked every time, we'd all do it, right? Um no, so so, no, it doesn't always work every time. Your young players don't always hit. They don't always turn into uh, into the next r b one or wide receiver one. Um, I think so much of it and and most of what I have written regarding productive struggle has been focused on, the startup draft uh, strategy specifically. So I I love the questions about, you know, what happens in year two or or now what, Um, but, but you're totally right. And it's kind of what you guys have alluded to on, on your past couple of shows, you've got the assets, you've got, um, hopefully you've got some future picks. You've got those, those bullets to fire. And even if it's, um, you know, a Nikhil Harry that you're holding in year two that you valued highly, um, he still has some value. So it, a lot of it comes in knowing when to move off of those guys. Uh, like, I mean, I traded Denzel Mims this offseason for, for a decent return. And, I mean, just just like a lot of dynasty players, that's a player I'm worried about. Maybe you know, maybe he is that bust. Maybe he'll never hit But knowing and kind of having that feel of when to get out on players, even if you're taking a loss, getting something out of those guys. Ryan, a lot of listeners are excited
2: about this idea of trading down, uh, trading out, but there's the concern of how, how do we actually execute it? What are these picks worth? What kind of value do they need to make the move? So do you have a kind of a framework that you operate in in terms of what, you say if you are gonna trade out of your very first round pick in a startup, or say your third round pick, what types of things do you need to get back And then obviously it does change league to league. You're trying to figure out what the values are within that league. And sometimes an early trade will kind of set the the value for the whole league because no one wants to get a worse value now going forward. But what specific types of values are you looking for?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, I think productive struggle has become a, a more difficult strategy to employ over the years because so many of the different pieces of it have kind of become commonplace. Um, you know, I wrote that article in 2014, Sean, I think probably around the time you wrote Zero RB. Um, and at that time, uh, uh, focusing on acquiring future rookie picks as, as commonplace as it is now was not, was not a, necessarily a strategy everyone was trying to do. The same thing for drafting young players. And, and I would say the same thing for trying to move down in drafts. That's typically what I want to do is move down, acquire extra, picks in in certain ranges and it really comes down to the tiers that that you're looking at both positional tiers and overall adp and and that's along with productive struggle you know the other thing that i've kind of focused on in my fantasy football career is dynasty adp because i think it's so important to understand the value to find those tiers uh, to find the hot spots and, and kind of the dead zones that's, that's become a, a pretty common term this year in the redraft landscape, but it's, it's always true in dynasty. There's always, uh, those, those dead spots where you get to round six and I don't want any of these guys, I don't value any of these players like this. So unfortunately it's, it's become tough to trade down. You know, most of your league probably wants to trade down, um, so again, knowing the ADP, knowing the value, and knowing those spots, I think trying to to execute those trades before the draft starts is, is something I've tried to do. That has, uh, you know, mixed results, I guess we could say. But that that's kind of a good way. You you mentioned it, getting the trading started, being the first one to to hit and try to set that value.
1: Do you have a like a specific maybe? startup round barometer that i've heard that a couple of times for like what you would value a, a future first at i've heard people say maybe it's like the seventh or the ninth or different like what 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 round as just like a starting point for a, a future first do you think uh a, a future first should be worth basically
0: yeah I, I usually say sixth or seventh and um again that that would change uh i mean Super flexes has kind of become the new standard, right? So that would probably change in a super flex league, but in in one quarterback, I think a, a sixth or seventh rounder, and uh, that that's the other challenging piece, kind of trying to find those teams that you want to target their first round picks or their future rookie picks. If, if you see a team uh, e- even before the draft starts, right? If you see a team making trades that you think are are you know poor for them or a bad move for them if 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 they're reaching on their first round draft pick and and generally i'm i'm seeing a team make some bad decisions those are teams i want to attack and get their future rookie picks they're they're going to continue those bad decisions
1: I just want to take a second to thank you for tuning in to today's show. My name is Colin Kelly, co-host of the Road of His Overtime podcast, along with the great Sean Siegel. We do appreciate each and every listener, and as a thank you to each of you, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Road of His NFL pass. We're heading at full speed towards the season. Make sure you're ready. Get yourself access to all the content and tools up on the RotoViz website. All you have to do is add the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout to get yourself that 10% discount. Now let's go and dominate those fantasy leagues in 2021.
2: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of
0: America and a member FDSE.
2: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. Not to put you on the spot too much, but in terms of trying to figure out these trade values, again, you and I were in a league last year. You had the 101. I offered you my four picks for the next year's rookie draft and my four picks the draft after that, and you you declined that for the 101. Was that an auto We didn't really discuss it afterwards. Was that an auto decline? Was that anywhere close? You picked Christian McCaffrey over... Patrick Mahomes. And you later told me that you kind of wish you had done it the other way. Um, Where are you with kind of those decisions now?
0: Uh, Yeah. I I almost immediately regretted the, the McCaffrey over Mahomes pick and, and still do. Um, So thanks for reminding me about that one. Uh, (laughs) As, as far as the, uh, as far as the trade offer. Yeah. It, it, it pretty much was auto reject. I, I love the strategy and I love that, that, uh, it's one you employ. It makes me feel a little better about, about that, but you know, like the, like the Jimmy Johnson strategy of I'll trade you all of my draft picks for this one thing, whether it's the one one or whether it's a player I'm targeting. I mean, when you offer someone your entire rookie draft, that looks a lot more impressive than it is. I think of course, that first <laughs> rounder, right. That first rounder is, is a pick that we all covet. We all want that, but you know, second, third, fourth, obviously, obviously some declining value, some very quickly declining value with those picks. Um, so I love that, that maneuver, but no, it, it wasn't one, especially knowing you and knowing the types of teams you're building. No, I, I didn't want the, the 111 or 112 for, for my 101. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, big picture, I do want, I, I would try to acquire those future rookie picks. Uh, but uh, you've got to get something in, in current year as well.
1: That was such a fantastic response because I've been in a lot of leagues with Sean where he does the same. He likes to do that move where he trades his whole, his whole draft. And I've I've sort of had that opinion too. I was like, Sean, why do I want the 112 and the 212 next year? That's not going to help me very much. Uh, Ryan, p- pivoting a little bit from this uh, kind of you know perpetual championship window idea and the productive struggle, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's thinking more in terms of when now, if they want to play that way? And is it possible to do that without sacrificing the future?
0: Yeah. I talked a little bit about how, how things have changed since I, I wrote that article seven years ago. And uh, one change I've noticed is uh, the change in, in player age. So the top 12 scorers really at all four positions are trending younger almost every year, the top 12, top 24, top 100 players, uh, overall, according to ADP are also declining. So yeah, you can absolutely focus on the future and try to win now at the same time, because we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing players come into the league and make an impact as, as rookies, right? I mean, five, 10 years ago, the, a common, Narrative: A common article you would see every year was that third-year breakout, you know, wide receiver. Like, who's it going to be this year? And if you haven't broken out by year three, at this point, we're we're giving up on you. So the league has changed, and and I think fantasy and dynasty has changed as a result of that. So I still, in, in startups that I'm doing, uh, that I've done this off season and in the past couple of years, I still employ a lot of the productive struggle. Um, strategies, obviously, but the, the idea that I, have to, that I have to lose in year one is not really there anymore. You can still focus on players that are going to gain value, players that are young, and you can, you can compete uh, immediately and, and not sacrifice that long-term window. Ryan, one of our earlier
2: weekly themes was about thinking across formats. And I think this is a, a really cool time to kind of bring that idea back up as uh, ben and I are getting ready to do a Dynasty startup. A lot of Dynasty startups is kind of the second wave of Dynasty startups now in August, but it's also a big redraft time period. What can a redraft participants learn from playing in Dynasty and executing some of these uh, strategies and tactics that you're talking about?
0: I still think there's a lot of redraft players, redraft exclusive players that are very anti-rookie uh, and anti-young player in general. And, and I, I really don't get it. Um, partially because of what I just mentioned that we're seeing those young players make, make an earlier impact. Um, but I mean, I, even a couple months ago or, or a month ago, during Scott fishbowl uh, drafts, I remember, you know, sharing some screenshots of my team and, and getting the, you know, nice dynasty team comments and things like that. Like you can draft, you can draft rookies, you can draft uh, the, the second and, and third year players and, and do well with it. I, I think another big advantage dynasty players have in general is uh depth chart um knowledge and you know just just another example back to the scott fishbowl my last pick in in the 20th round i think we have 20 rounds there 20th round was was marquez Callaway. that's that's looking like a pretty good one he was more of a dynasty target for me this offseason and and the the early return the early camp hype has been good on him and obviously the 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 thomas situation helps that but i think dynasty players kind of have that leg up too just knowing um and and kind of understanding the depth chart and, and that's uh, of course not to say that redraft players can't study those things as well but uh, I, I think in general that that's one difference
1: definitely um <clears throat> we get a lot of auction questions oh, yeah. uh, for redraft you you run a lot of auction leagues for dynasty and I know sean plays in a ton of them uh he he says they're they're his favorite leagues what are sort of the the key elements for building a dynasty in an auction league
0: i think it's all about preparation and um my co-host of the uh dlf dynasty podcast dan myler has taught me a ton about this and and i i kind of had some of these ideas in place prior to to our talks uh but um he he kind of helped me take that to the next level so Together, we, we build this spreadsheet. We, um, you're obviously budgeting how much you want to and, and what percentage you want to spend uh, at certain positions. But Dan, Dan kind of takes that a step further. And, and now as a result, I do as well in, in auction prep, really putting a, a dollar figure on every single player, not just your targets, but every single player you expect to be uh, auctioned and, and rostered what do I think they're worth? How does that fit into the total budget? You know, if we've got 12 teams, there's $12,000 to be spent, where's that money going? Um, And if you're doing that and and doing that prep, it it all pays off because as, as, uh, as the auction unfolds, you're able to, uh, to pivot, to make changes. If, if people are, are spending more early, then you can you know, you can move that money around and understand that that's going to create some values later or vice versa. Ryan, we talked about this idea that in Dynasty,
2: you have to have a better team than really the best possible redraft team. You have to have the equivalent. Sometimes if if you want to win, you have to have the equivalent of like three first round picks, three second round picks, three third round picks. You have built some teams in the kitchen sink leagues, which uh, listeners, many listeners will know about some listeners may not. It's an auction format has the Debbie format. You've got restricted free agent tags. You've got all of this kind of thing. When you're trying to put together this dynasty team, that's far better than the best possible redraft team. And a little bit of that is the patience that we've talked about. I think it's interesting within this concept of auction and we get a lot of like auction zero RB questions We know that wide receivers hold their value better in Dynasty, but you're not necessarily going to want an entire team of wide receivers. When you're building that auction spreadsheet with with all of these values, how are you looking at running back versus wide receiver with the Dynasty component?
0: Well, I think in the kitchen sink leagues uh, specifically, the, the added layer is that, it's also a contract league. You, you mentioned the free agency. So um, in many ways, it's, it's kind of a hybrid between redraft or between keeper and dynasty that once you get those players on your roster, you know, there's a chance you don't get to keep them forever. You may be, you may uh, be forced to lose them. I think that balances the field a little bit in all of my leagues. I prefer I prefer the leagues to be as as flexible as as possible, literally with with multiple flex spots. Uh, I know you guys have the the triflex leagues going on with uh, with FFPC and Rotoviz. Uh, at, at DLF, we also have ultra flex leagues. Literally, no required uh, spots, so you can start ten tight ends or ten running backs if you want. I, I love leagues like that though, that really give the manager the freedom to build however they want so when, when I'm building those teams, uh, again, with those settings where we only have to start one running back in, in kitchen sink, it's kind of a balanced playing field for me. And, and it really comes down to just best player available situation. I, I just want as much talent uh, on my team. I need that one anchor running back, that one guy I can start every week. But beyond that, I'm fine with, with continuing to build wide receiver heavy as I usually do
1: right you've done some um some stuff with with scott fish you guys have the commission impossible if i'm not mistaken right it is a sub stack and a, and a podcast uh one of the things that you're known for is like sean said these kitchen sink leagues and, and kind of having a, a pretty strong understanding of the commissioner side i'm wondering one like what are some of your favorite elements to dynasty but also two like if people are listening to this they haven't tried dynasty they want to try it with their friends what's the type of format that you think is the best one for new people to jump into or it's just the best from a from a competitive standpoint that that makes the most sense long term because certainly i think um when i've talked with some leagues about dynasty and things like that you want to get the settings down right because it's hard to change them. mid you know mid, mid uh you know dynasty whatever <laughs> mid, <Right. laughs> you know during during different years I, i've had people tell me how they go from you know single qb to super flex and all those things but it's a, it's a challenge to make those changes so what are what are the settings that you really favor
0: yeah, it's changed over the years for sure, and I mean, my my personal favorite at this point would would basically be what we have going in in kitchen sink, and uh, I I don't know that I would recommend that to new people because it is it is pretty deep, uh, multiple auctions every off season, and uh, free agency and contracts and Devi, and I know any of those things could could possibly be turnoffs to new not new dynasty players. Um, I, I, instead I would recommend again, something that's as flexible as possible. I know I've, I've definitely played in leagues that did not have uh, many or any flex spots. And uh, you know, you're locked into starting two running backs and three wide receivers. And uh, to me, those leagues are just a a little more boring. They, they have their challenge certainly, but um, everybody's kind of attacking the league in the same way so i, I love the um the ultraflex leagues that we have and, and again the triflex leagues I've, I've checked those out as well and the strategies are all over the board and and i love that that you can see so many uh different ways to build a, a dynasty team in you know in just one league or one draft
2: right i really enjoy how those formats do keep it fresh and there's at least a little bit of a potential for a team to get so bad that it's tough to build back. But you also have the second chance element in the kitchen sink where people can throw into the dispersal. So it's not just I think that when you hear the dispersals, people are assuming, and is mostly the case, that it's it's people who left and now you know these are the teams. But one of the things that's it's fun in those leagues that you can actually look and if people who have quit actually had a pretty loaded team, then you might want to just throw yourself in with a second chance. And get in on on the auction that's going to have all of those players. I enjoy that element of it, where you can just say, "I, you know, I blew it. I'm going to go back in and, and start over." One of the things that's making Dynasty so fun right now is the superflex element. And uh, when we kind of go through and, and talk about superflex, Colum and I talk about it a lot on OT, and we tend to give credit to Sal, to you, and to Scott as being three people. And I'm sure that there are more out there. People who have really made a contribution to bringing that to fruition in different ways. Ben and I are about to embark on this RV TriFlex league. It is super flex. You need to dominate the quarterback position to have a dynasty. I wanted to ask you about that, not only because you're one of the sort of super flex leaders and innovators, but to me, you're also a super flex guru, right? You've built these teams in the kitchen sink that are three, four, in some cases, five elite QBs deep. You think to yourself, okay, well, if, if he's that heavy on QB, the rest of his team's got to be weaker. It's not. We, we do have some other sort of quarterback, quarterback stockpilers So you look at their team and you're like, well, at least the rest of the team's not good. But that's not the case for you. How important is the QB position? And how do you go about building that up, knowing that there are, Opportunity cost. You're not necessarily going to be as strong immediately at some of these other positions if you are dedicated that many resources to it. And even something like a, a super flex rookie draft right now, where we have players like a Travis Etienne, like a Jamar Chase, like a Kyle Pitts, and then you're at the top and you're like, okay, well, you know, these three, four, five rookie QBs, you know, what do you do with that? Is it QB all the time and then you make good decisions after that? How have you built such Dynamism at your QB positions.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's QB early and often. Early and often for me. Um, I mean, I've talked about on, on a couple of other pods recently. If if I'm a, in a dynasty startup, a super flex league, you know, three of my first six picks are probably going to be quarterbacks. And again, that involves, uh, as we talked about earlier, hopefully moving around a little bit in the draft as well. Uh, but sure there there's definitely some opportunity cost. again in the kitchen sink league specifically, we've got so many paths to acquire players, right? We've got um, we've got Devi auctions and rookie auctions and two different versions of free agency, uh, not to mention trades. So um, it, it, I don't want to say it's easy to, to acquire quarterbacks there, but maybe easier uh, versus a, a typical startup draft that you sounds like you guys are about to uh, embark on but I, I, it really just comes down to understanding the value and, and kind of forecasting the value of those players kind of like we said with young players in general and, and quarterbacks kind of get that regardless of of their age or, or their experience in the league even your average quarterback is going to have uh, some solid trade value so even even a disappointing Round one rookie wide receiver is going to have trade value in year two, as we talked about with Nikhil Harry or, or Denzel Mims. The same thing is said, can be said about Derek Carr or, or Sam Darnold. I mean, these are players that are being traded for first round rookie picks right now, every single day. So so loading up on those guys in 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 the mid rounds or you know, rounds six through 10, something like that of a startup, I think can, uh, can result in a, a good ROI.
2: Do you ever buy any of the old quarterbacks guys who,
0: I mean, we know that
2: someone 35, 36 could have another, you know, five or six years if they were a star to start with, you know, what about like a rivers last year or Roethlisberger this year? Are any of those guys
0: ever interesting? Sure. I mean, I think every quarterback is interesting. If you look at again, the kitchen sink leagues, we're talking about obviously every starter is rostered, but nearly every QB two in the league is, is on a roster in our league. Uh, every, every backup quarterback in the NFL is, is rostered almost. So yeah, absolutely. If, if you're in that, if you've done that productive struggle, if you, um, were bad in year one, maybe you focused on building up your running back and wide receiver positions. Now you're ready to compete there. Then, then obviously acquiring those veterans uh, at the quarterback position is, is the great way to, to kind of give your a boost to your team.
2: I don't want to give away too much, but Ryan <laughs> says they're somewhat easy to acquire or there are multiple paths to acquire. If you have a little foresight, if you build elite teams, then you're not necessarily uh, trading all of your Debbie slots, which is something that we have in the kitchen sink. Ryan has all of these slots and then he goes through. And I I was in one of these, I wrote about it for the site, kind of a fun article. If you're interested in Debbie at all, Uh, one of these teams where I did go in the second chance, I have Patrick Mahomes, I have a couple other guys, but then had 12 Debbie slots. And so added 12 college players to the roster was a lot of fun. I was also sort of monitoring the other conference that Ryan is in and basically every quarterback who was being signed by a major school was going onto his roster for $1, right? So he's got like the next seven, eight guys uh, coming into college. That's how you build the, that QB depth. But Ryan, thanks for the, the super flex insight there. Ben and I are, we're a little bit interested in some guys like Derek Carr, perhaps to, to build you know, with, with some balance at some of the other positions. So it's good to know that car someone who will have some value for us.
0: Yeah, again, yeah, I mean, when you're in that super flex league, you you've got, to, uh, you've got to respect all the quarterbacks, right? Uh, they, they all can offer something, whether it's weekly production or just flipping them for some help at other positions.
1: Absolutely. Ryan, this has been an awesome conversation. Um, to take us out, why don't you tell us a little bit about some – new dynasty leagues you might be running and and particularly what listeners should be keeping an eye out from you from a content perspective and and just for anyone who wants more act you know active dynasty conversation we already mentioned but you have the dlf podcast you have the locked on dynasty podcast two great places that are talking about dynasty every week not just this week like we are here on stealing bananas so definitely check out ryan in those spots ryan what else do you have going on
0: yeah, at DLF, we're, uh, you know, like so many others, we're almost ready for regular season mode. so so lining up those and uh, all of that content, and I, I, it's kind of been a slow, uh, actually slow would be a kind word, but uh, it, it, my off-season written content has been almost non-existent, unlike Sean. I know he's he's churning them out over there at Rotovis, so I'm excited to get back kind of in the routine of of doing some writing for DLF. We'll have that. Uh, up there on a weekly basis soon, uh, but yeah. Other than that, just uh, the the weekly podcast, DLF Dynasty Podcast, and uh, Locked On Podcast with with Matt Williamson. Um, as far as uh, some some crazy leagues, the the newest one is uh, with with Dan Myler, once again. We're we're co commissioning, and this was actually um, like ninety percent his idea. So I don't want to take credit for this. But it's, it's a great concept. Uh, he calls it contract chaos. We just just finished. Actually, I think the, the startup auction is still going, but my team is full. Uh, there are four copies of every single player, and each copy is locked in as either a one-year contract, two-, three-, or four-year contract. So if you get the four-year contract of Patrick Mahomes, obviously you're, you're locking that in for, for the next four seasons. But if you've got the one, you only get him for 2021. There is, uh, unlike Kitchen Sink, Sean, there's no path to keep players. And the result is every single off season through a free agent auction, you basically have a startup auction every single year because every player is coming off that one year contract and going back into the pool uh, open for, for anybody to bid on them and, and try to win them. So uh, we just finished that startup auction. It, it was a blast. It was great. And, and eye-opening to see uh, how the different copies were were being valued. I mean, we had four-year copies going for two or three hundred, and and one-year copies going for twenty to thirty dollars. So, so a wide gap in in that value uh, from year to year.
2: That sounds so fun to play. I wanted to be in this, but I'm in so many of the kitchen sinks now, and they take ah uh, so much emotional investment, time investment, <laughs> I know those college players, like I said, all of the, the drafting of the Debbie and my three kitchen sink teams are all very different. So I have to be following different elements there. Ryan, we talked a little bit about the Debbie. Hopefully you have enjoyed, I know our listeners have enjoyed, and maybe at some point we can get you back for a show on the Debbie element. You're also one of the great minds in that area, but Thanks so much for for coming on the show and this has been a really fun way to close out our Dynasty topic this week.
0: Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Always a blast to talk Dynasty and and, uh, always good to talk to you two guys.
2: Well, Ryan was fantastic. As expected, great way to finish out the Dynasty topic this week, how to build the permanent championship window. Uh, If you missed one of the first two episodes, be sure to check that out. We'll have more episodes releasing soon. Please subscribe to our feed in order to get those when they release. I'm Sean Siegel, with me is Ben Gretch, whom you can follow at Yards Per Gretch. Every episode I mention his newsletter, Stealing Signals, uh, the best newsletter in the fantasy space. If you want to learn about fantasy football in a deep way, it, it's the best place to go. And if you don't want to, it's just a, a fun and fantastic read every week. You won't even realize that what you were doing was learning a ton about fantasy. You'll just be having a blast. So make sure you sign up for that. We have a lot of great things going on at Rotoviz. new tools, improved tools, uh, a stream of content that we're extremely proud of coming out every day. If you want a 10% discount to that, make sure you use the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. Stay tuned for more on Sealy Bands, and we will see you soon.